Welcome to Something Strange is Brewing on New England's News and Talk Radio, 830 WCRN. Here's your hosts for Something Strange is Brewing, Brian and Matt. Welcome to Something Strange is Brewing. I'm Matt. And I'm Brian. And we're out here at Bone Up Brewing in Everett. Welcome to the show, Liz. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. So, tell us about Bone Up. Where did this idea come from? Um, I, I don't make my way out to Everett very often. I, Brian, I don't know if you do. Um, but this is really... Uh, oh, high fives all around here. This is a. This is really a unique section of the fermentation district. Yeah, the fermentation district, and we'd love to know more about that. How did you wind up here? How did you wind up brewing? Tell us the story of Bone Up. Um, so my husband Jared and I had been brewing at home for a long time, and going pro was always sort of a big in the future dream. And after we got engaged, we started looking at commercial properties. Uh, we looked everywhere in the greater Boston area, pretty much anywhere that was tea accessible or within 25 minutes of our house. We went up to Lawrence, Salem, we went up to Norwood, Acton, uh, Canton, and we ended up settling on Everett because it had that special something, cheap rent. <laughs> uh, and we walked into a, an abandoned 25,000 square foot warehouse with no lights and no floors and no walls. We're just like, it's got potential. So we signed a lease in November 2014 on this weird little strip. Um, Night Shift Brewing Company had just signed a lease for its second location down the street. Um, and about a week after we signed our lease, we got an email from a distillery that we had never heard of called Short Path. They said, We've got the same landlord as you. We're a building and a half over. Uh, do you want to grab a beer at the new Night Shift Brewery? And a district was born. And Short Path opened about a year after that. We opened about a year after them. Night Shift has blown up like crazy. And the three of us just sort of exist, coexist in this little strip behind the Teddy Peanut Butter Factory in Everett. You really smell the peanut butter coming in here. I wanted peanut butter cookies so bad. Right now. Yeah, neighborhood smells great. You ever work with peanut butter or anything with funky ingredients like that? Uh, not in beer, no. No. So one of the big things that I feel like we see a lot of is is people have this assumption that breweries are all rivals. And, and the fermentation district, as you've named it, seems to completely throw that out the window entirely. This is a neighborhood of beer and alcohol, really. I mean, this is, this is the epitome of what I think the, the craft beer and craft distillate revolution stands for, that you can all be within just... I mean, doors of each other, and really have this awesome relationship. I mean, that's a, that's a really neat thing to see and, and showcase here. Yeah, we've, we've completely embraced it. We very much enjoy having neighbors that are like-minded. Um, we all share customers. We share regulars. Um, and we provide an experience that's different enough from each other that it doesn't really feel like we're trying to step on each other's toes. Night Shift is a different vibe than we are, and some people prefer one to the other, or a lot of the times people will just come and do a mini brewery crawl across our neighborhood. Park once, visit all three spots. And how could you not? I mean, you're all so close to each other, um, and what a neat thing to have all on one street, in theory. You know, that's... It's really fun to watch the neighborhood come alive every weekend. Yeah. And we throw block parties with each other about once a quarter. Um, we don't always shut down the street, but we'll share a common theme between the tap rooms. Encourage people to visit all three, buy a t-shirt, and there's a logo on it. And I agree that that's what the craft beer and craft spirits revolution should be about. It's not mm. collaborating. 
a rising tide just lifts all boats. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. I love that. Now, speaking of logos, can you tell us where you got your logo from and where you got the inspiration for Bone Up from? Um, so, for those of you who are listening, instead of talking, our logo is a skull with a mustache on it. And uh, he was born on a bar napkin about eight years ago, still hanging above our bed at home. It just says brewery logo next to it. Uh, his name's Horatio Skellingham III, Esquire. Esquire, even. Wow. Very distinguished dude. Well-educated skeleton. That's impressive. Um, and we always knew we wanted him to be our logo. So my background's in art and graphic design. That's what I did before brewing professionally. Uh, so I took Jared's doodle and I refined it a little bit, and we built a brand around it. Um, the name Bone Up, the phrase means to learn more about something, to brush up on a topic. And since it ties into the whole skull theme, and Jared and I love to chat here uh, and educate anywhere we can. We thought Bone Up would be the great name for a brewery. That's fantastic. And there is art all around here. I mean, there is um, art on the walls. It looks like there's some really neat drawings that are out there. Um, is that yours? Is that your yep. artwork? That's incredible. Um, so we do a monthly like coloring quote-unquote contest for the tap room. I draw something once or twice a month. I print out coloring sheets, and we just let people doodle while they drink. And if they finish it, I put it up on the wall. And then we get a little tipsy at the end of the month and pick a winner, give them a T-shirt. And what's huh. the, what does it say on the wall there? The wall of adequacy. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, when you first got into kind of the art side of things, did you ever anticipate that it would lead you to working in the brewery world. I always wanted it to. Uh, when I first turned 21 and started going to the bottle shops, I was really drawn to all of the beautiful labels I'd see on bombers and 12-ounce bottles, cans, but if you could find craft beer and cans at that point. Um, so I started collecting them furiously, and that introduced me to tons of different styles of beers from all over the place. Then I got a job at a beer bar because I loved it so much. Worked my way up to the bar there after a couple months. Met Jared. He taught me how to brew it. He had been brewing at home for a few years at that point and then it just sort of steamrolled into this that's fantastic even in college when I was going to school before I I always knew I wanted to work for a small local brewery I had no idea I'd end up making my own and running one a few years later so how has it been for you going from being on, on the bartender side of it to now being on the brewing side of it? Has, has that been kind of an exciting uh, difference in, in kind of approach, or, or how has that been? You just see things differently um, through like a brewer's lens uh, as opposed to just serving it. You kind of get a little bit more of an appreciation when you're seeing the product from grain to glass. And Jared and I are behind the bar fairly frequently in the town still because we just enjoy it. We enjoy talking about our product and interacting with the finished beer itself. Um, but I suppose the big difference is just know more about it. Yeah. To really answer the questions when people want to know what hops are in the IPA, you know that because you put them in. This is true. That's <laughs> I'll answer that question. So if you're brewing and you're behind the bar, when do you have time to sleep? We don't. <laughs> Probably bought a hammock. <laughs> Who needs sleep when you've got a hammock? We've got naps. <laughs> no rest for the wicked. That's half the fun, though. Not sleeping? Not well. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that. The, 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 the sleep deprived hallucinations. Yeah, those get pretty interesting some days. <laughs> I'll let Jared talk about last summer in the early days of the tap room. Do tell. Um, well, when we were doing all the planning and build-up, we both had full-time day jobs. And so when we first started brewing, Liz transitioned to full-time. I still had my day job, so I would get here, drive here from downtown Boston, get here at 7, work until midnight, wake up at 7. Um, and Liz would just load up her bag with uh, growlers and bicycle around and try and get people to carry our beer. 
And then the tap room opened in August. I left my day job in October, um, which meant that probably an average of 12 hours of sleep a week. Mm. I got to take naps in the park when I was supposed to be at my day job. There's a fair amount of walking into walls yeah. at the brewery. Forgetting what we were talking about mid-sentence. Uh, sleep deprivation so and it's fun. are not garbage. <laughs> yeah, I definitely dumped a couple of glasses into the garbage can. That's just the end of it right there. So where did you come from? What was your background before brewing? Uh, I mean, I've been home brewing since I was legally able to do so. Um, but uh, my other background is computer science. I was a computer programmer. I wanted to get into beer. got a job at a brewery. I moved up here. Um, Left there. Oh, well, started at that brewery because I wanted to start this, and I figured somebody who knows what they're doing should train me rather than trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, and then, since I knew I wanted to have a tap room, I moved to a beer bar after that. And then, since I realized that I was broke as hell, I got another desk job as, uh, at a company that probably doesn't need to get named. Fair enough. But with all the talk about napping in the park while I was working in there, <laughs> so it's been a journey either way. Yeah, yeah, from, this from, is, from from idea to execution, it's been about a decade. Hmm. That's that's. I mean, there's a lot that goes into a decade. Then you know, I mean, it seems like this is, this has been a quick story, but boy, I mean, that's that's a background for sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, we wanted to make sure we did it right, and it takes time to learn all this stuff. And we had a lot enough steep learning curves as it is, without having a lot of experience in either of the related fields that we need. So here we do what we could. Well, we saw them as very frustrating bottlenecks at the time. We had the advantage of being able to slowly ramp up production. Like, I was able to come on full-time at the brewery and be here during the day also. We were both expecting to have full-time day jobs. So I could receive deliveries, I could clean equipment, make sales calls, do stuff like that. Um, we were frustrated that we had this beautiful finished tap room that we couldn't open. But uh, it allowed us to figure out how to brew beer and get things running back with house before we swung open the doors. And our first batches weren't quite up to the standard that we set for ourselves, so they were they were saleable, but you know, I'd give them like a B. And if we'd been serving that to people right out the right out the gate, I think a lot more people would have had a less positive impression of our tap room and our beer. Yeah. Definitely, uh, you know, I, I feel like a, a common theme that we see is, is making sure that those those beers are really up to the, the quality you're expecting and hoping for before opening the doors. Uh, and we probably would have tried to open at the first possible minute before we had everything dialed in back to us. And so yeah, it was definitely a blessing in disguise that we had to get delayed by a couple of hours. Certainly, certainly. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break here, but we'll be right back with a little bit more Something Strange is Brewing at Bone Up. Stay tuned, everyone. Now, Something Strange is Brewing continues on News and Talk Radio 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. Welcome back to Something Strange is Brewing. We're here at Bone Up with Liz and Jared, and we got to know about the beer. we got to know. And, and there are some names up there um, that, that so you just don't see there. very often. Things like Shut Up Kelly and Extra Naked and Josh. Where do you come up with the beers? How do you name them? Where does it come from? We'll, we'll just start there. 
Oh man, that's such a broad question. I know. I like to start broad and we'll narrow it in as we go. All right, well, we'll start with extra naked. I think that was the first one you mentioned. So the beer is, we call it a cream ale. It's actually more closely based on a style called classic American Pilsner. So it's a lot more hoppy, a lot more flavor forward than you get in your standard green can beer from upstate New York. Um, we couldn't call it a classic American Pilsner because our house yeast strain is a blend of a Belgian strain and a British strain. And if you use the word Pilsner with that, it's just going to be pandemonium. So like really Basically, it's halfway between a Pilsner and a Saison. We didn't know what to call it, cream ale. And it's the lightest style we make, so extra naked. Like, there's no room for any brewing flaws to hide. It's just kind of out there. It's also the name of a 30-year-old reggaeton album, but we don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> really pick up the yeast character in this one. It's really, the rest of it's so subtle, the rest of it's beer. Yeah, it comes through pretty strongly, and we use a decent amount of Massachusetts-grown nugget in that beer, which complements our yeast really nicely. Like the Local kinda, nugget. I love everything that I get from Porsche our farms and their nuggets incredible just super herbal like really earthy goes really well with the saison yeast it turns out do you find that it's difficult to brew something like extra naked because as you said there's nothing to hide any flaws it has to be as flawless as possible you can't just mask it behind a little extra roasted barley or something along those lines it's something that needs a process that's really dialed in mm-hmm. but we have a lot of stuff that's standardized for batch to batch uh, extra naked is actually one of our best behaved beers it's one of the easiest ones to make Wasted Life likes to fight us. Yeah, we didn't that much harder than anything else to make. Um, we, we put a lot of R&D into that recipe before it actually came out. And by R&D, I mean drinking at home. Um, <laughs> Professional drinker. Yeah. I mean, most of the beer we drink is warm, flat tank samples, but you got to try every beer every day until it hits the taps. Now, do you have a preference on which side? Warm, flat tank samples or full-on carbonated, ready-to-go draft style? Can't go wrong with the classics. Uh, I'm going to go with actual beer and not something that's 50 degrees and four days old. They both have their merits. Certainly, you really certainly. get to know a beer that way off the bright tank, but you, yeah. you get to know what it's going to be like, but there's nothing like a nice cold beer, fully carbonated, ready to drink. Yeah, and we take a lot of process samples, so like we try everything from first runnings to kettle full to last runnings to actual work all the way through to you know actual beer in the glass. So. I see you're enjoying one now that's quality control to it in its finest. Quality assurance. Assurance, yeah. Fair enough. Well, there's no problem with this one, I'd say. Kick that one right back. Good. So now i got to ask about what, what appears to be kind of the most bizarre name up there, the one that jumps out the most. What about Shut Up Kelly? Kelly's a girl that we used to work with back when we both worked at a beer bar, and she didn't like dark beer until she tried this recipe. And then every time we mentioned beer brewing within 50 feet of her, she'd say, Are you brewing your porter again? When are you brewing your porter? Eventually we said, Fine, we'll make it again. Just shut up about it. <laughs> she didn't, but the beer was a keeper. Uh, she's been a good sport about it. She's been in a couple of times. and always asked for her beer. But it's been a popular enough name that we had to make t-shirts for it. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's that's the right side of the fence to be on. And it's yeah. a robust porter. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. I drink that beer every day. That's great. Do you have a, a one style that, that is your favorite to brew or your favorite to drink? Porters and stouts are probably my favorite to brew. Mm-hmm. Just like you were saying, they, they hide all the flaws. So that was kind of what I got my teeth on when I was learning how to brew with things that I knew for a fact would be okay, even if I was kind of learning how I, as I went. Um, my fallback beer was a honey porter because I, if something screwed up on a previous batch, I just make a honey porter. Really strong, super flavorful, knock you out, easy to brew. Yeah. And then I get more experimental on the next one, try something crazy again. It's good to alternate between the two so you've got something that's palatable on hand at all times. That are coffee stout. I've never met a coffee stout I, I don't like. Just I find so so easy to drink, such a nice blend of flavor. Yeah, they go really well together. Yeah. I'm more of a chocolate stout than a coffee stout fan. Okay. But and you've got a chocolate stout on the menu. We do. Uh, Josh. So that was actually 
part of a pair of beers that we brewed a month or so ago. Um, there's some friends in the brewery that came in. They asked if they could buy some beer from us for their wedding. We said, well, how about we do you one better? We will make you two beers for the wedding that are designed to be blended at serving. So there was Jody and Josh. Jody was an orange ginger blonde. Josh was a chocolate stout. And the, pair, uh, the beer tail made out of the two was called the Love Doctor. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, I missed that. I missed that beer tail already. We ran out last week. So, will you brew it again, or was it a one-time thing just for their? It's been popular enough that we probably have to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the beers on our menu are intended to be one-offs, in case people keep asking us to bring it back. It's more of a back by demand sort of situation. So, what would you call your flagship beer? Again? Do you have a flagship? Beer? Uh, we have four flagships. Okay. So, year rounds are extra naked cream ale, key lime white, wasted life IPA, and shut up Kelly. I like it. I like it. Now, I, I started the day here with uh, with Joybringer, uh, and that's that's a triple. And what I, first thing that caught me about it was that it's so drink. I mean, it does. I feel like sometimes you get a triple and you feel like you're drinking old mouthwash. You know, it just burns. And this was so well balanced and super smooth. Thank you. What a great beer that was. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty thrilled with how that came out. Actually, the beer uh, we brewed that as our anniversary beer, mm-hmm. uh, the one year anniversary of our first brew day was about a month ago. Wow! And it happened to coincide with the beer advocate microbrew invitational, so the beer got released at that fest. That's great. Um, but yeah, that's that's dangerous. <laughs> that's one where you don't want to have a twenty ounce mug handy. I, I could see that. that. That could be a beer that you could probably pound and not even realize that, wow, that, that one just totally took you over. That was an interesting <laughs> evening. It'll get your bar still spinning. I sometimes make the mistake of bringing a, like a full glass to a beer festival. If I'm a vendor there, I've got my own booth, so I have a pint or something like that. Uh, and then they fill it, usually. Well, you brought that big glass. Which is fine. Well, yeah, you don't give somebody a pint and ask for a three-ounce sample in it, but it can be tough. It can be tough trying to try everything by the plant. My own fault, Especially it's a big fest. Yes. yes yeah. Can be a lot that, of that'll really change things pretty quick. I've learned, I've learned not to do that as often as often anymore. But sometimes you stuck behind the booth. Four ounces of beer isn't going to do for an hour. No way. Yeah. Depends on how many other people you have to man the booth if you want to wander off for a while. I always wander off. He does. Oh, yeah. Self-serve frequently wanders off. <laughs> Where do you come up with the inspiration for new beers? Is it is it kind of a eureka moment, sitting at home, and all of a sudden, bam, there it is, new beer, or are you thinking about it while you're brewing, or all the time, or... Yes. Um, <laughs> it's kind of all over the place, like, a lot of the beers we have will discover a new ingredient, or a new ingredient supplier, and we just want to test it out. Um, there's a beer that we brought back once or twice, uh, we called it Bullhead. Um, the people from Blue Ox Malt up in Maine yep. swung by, and they gave us a couple of samples, and we wanted to try it out, so we made, well, we called it a Vienna Ale, it was, you know, an October Fest grain bill, but again, we don't do lagers here, so we can call it that. And we ended up really liking their malt, so like that just became something that went in our, into our rotation. That recipe is actually what we use when we test grain from a new small maltster that we haven't tried before, <laughs> just to see how it stacks up to the original bullhead. I don't know if you guys have used Blue Ox malt before, but it's, it's fantastic. I've heard a lot about it. It seems to be very, very popular. It's really good. Yeah. I can't recommend it enough. That's great. That's great. And so between, you know, Four Star Farms, um, Blue Ox malt, do you, do you wind up using quite a bit of local ingredients then? Um, or reasonably local? Yeah, reasonably local. Uh, we use a lot of valley malt. Um, mm-hmm. We use their wheat in every batch of key lime that we make. Um, we dabble with their other specialty grains here and there. Um, we just had um, single hot pale ale on tap with their uh, biscuit malt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their biscuit malt's incredible. Really? I've That's never great. had anything like it. It's 
How would you describe it? I'm, I love biscuit malts, so I'm always curious about things like that. Is it more kind of dry and English, a little bit more graham crackery? Is it? I'd say it's more graham crackery. Really? Um, it's great. The way the malt smells, like in the bag itself, is I don't know if you remember those like those cookies that come out around Christmas, where it's the like peanut butter based cookie with a Hershey kiss in the middle of yep. it. <laughs> the bag of malt smells exactly like one of those. That's got to be. How do you not just eat handfuls of it on the way through? I do. You do eat handfuls of it on the way through. <laughs> Um, the way I prevent that is by not sticking my nose in the bag. Well, that, and I mean, there's peanut butter in the air on the street anyway, so that, that's got to make it even more tempting. A little bit. Now, speaking, of, speaking of food, I know you've got food here as well. I see yep. there's a little pizza oven over there, or a little pizza here. Yeah, we have... What do you have for options for folks? Well, we can't prepare food. Um, so we have a warmer and Solaris up in Malden. We'll deliver uh, trays of Sicilian, uh, yeah, Sicilian slices to this. Um, we do that on Thursdays, occasionally on Fridays. Uh, we have big soft pretzels on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, we tend to have a rotating selection of uh, vendors coming in for pop-ups. Um, Liz would be the one to better talk about that. Uh, we, well, we love collaborating with other local beer and food people. So we bring in a lot of food trucks. We do pop-ups inside the tap room. Everything from like Liege waffles to barbecue. Um, What's tomorrow? Tomorrow we're doing a gourmet rice crispy treats. So there's always something weird happening. Wow. Uh, we get by without having a kitchen. There's always something to snack on. So we always bring your own food like, type of thing as well? Yeah. Um, we have menus behind the bar if you want to order delivery from sandwich place, pizza, parlor, whatever. And uh, people can bring in their own food picnic style. And yeah, the best, the best that we had was someone brought in their own spread for a... Uh, really fancy cheese plate like they brought in their own olive oil and vinegar and they cut up all the cheeses and arranged the meats and they just sat there at one of the tables and went to town we also had a bunch of people come through with costco hot dogs from across the street i really enjoyed that day <laughs> well it sounds like there's a lot going on here but we're going to take another quick break darn all i can make some oh, boys all right, so we know what's going on out front. We're going to take another quick break here with something strange is brewing, and we're going to come back and talk about what's going on behind the curtain. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Bone Up Brewing on Something Strange is Brewing. You're listening to Something Strange is Brewing on New England's News and Talk Radio. 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. Welcome back to Something Strange is Brewing. We're out here in Everett at Bone Up, and we've been out on this side of the curtain for a while now, drinking beers, talking beers, talking about Bone Up. But what goes on on the other side of the curtain? There's, there's got to be some crazy magic back there. Tell us about your brew house. Our, I mean, much like a lot of nano breweries, our brew house is uh, cobbled together out of parts that we found here and there. The brew house itself is from a company called Bubba's Barrels, who reconditions old barrels into an actual... Surprisingly well-working brew house. Um, it's a uh, 130-gallon direct fire with 350 BTU, 1,000 BTU burners. Wow. Yeah, we turned on two of them at once, and it got so hot that it uh, set off the fire sprinklers. Oh, that was a fun day. <laughs> oh, so that can happen. Yeah, it did. That was with the hood, or? Uh, yeah, the hood was running, um, the tap room was open, and we had people in here, and the fire alarm in the building was going off for an hour. Uh, so now we do one at a time. Did you have a uh, sprinkler beer that you made? 
for inspiration? We've been trying to forget about it. To be okay, fair enough. I understand. <laughs> Now, I mean, this is this is different in that you can access all of these kettles directly from the top, just lifting off um, the big lid that's back there. Yep, uh, we actually clean our brew kettle by turning it on its side and climbing in. Um, and while bigger breweries have things like augers to get the grain from one place to another, we have me carrying it in a plastic tote instead of a rake to mash in. We have Liz standing on a ladder with a wooden paddle. Um, instead of a plow to green out, we have Liz opening the manway and using the same wooden paddle. Um, a real tiny manway. It's bigger but than the one that comes standard. They make smaller. <laughs> we can each fit our heads and one shoulder through there, so it's enough to get in and scrub it out. So that's pretty cool, though, because that puts you in real close contact with your beer. You know, it's something to be said for breweries that are that are factory breweries, and they're just pumping beer out, and the computer does all the work, but you really are in there doing the nitty-gritty with that system. Yeah, there's, there's as Liz likes to, uh, likes to say, there's not a control panel in sight, so even when we're running off it, uh, the mash, we're just sitting there dialing in the pumps by hand rather than just using float switches or manometers or anything like that. So it's a little more labor-intensive. It's a lot more labor-intensive, but it means it's very, very hands-on, handcrafted. Absolutely. <laughs> the only way it could be more labor-intensive would be if we uh, used buckets and pouring instead of pumps. All right, well, that would be pretty intense, too. Yeah, I'm glad we don't do that. Well, pumps make all the difference in the brewery. They're our best pieces of equipment. That was the first piece of real brewery equipment we bought, was a nice uh, CIP pump, um, so we could get hot work into our tanks. Um, our keg washer was run on humber size chugger pumps until we used them so much that we destroyed them. But that was that was our first big investment in terms of like big boy brewery. So how often do you brew here? Twice a week. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday are brew days, and two new tanks in. And as soon as those get up and running, uh, we'll be brewing three times a week. Single batch brew days. Single batch brew days. Um, because of the uh, manual nature of our brew days and a lot of the cleanup that's entailed afterwards, uh, we're running eight nine hours per brew day from mashing to putting all the parts away. That's a pretty good time, though. I I, I can't brew that quick on my system at home, and and I thought I was pretty dialed in. That's really good. It's not bad, but if, if we get a stuck mash or something like that, it can add an hour or two. We're trying to double up on the, the just the two of us. Mm. Means that we're looking at a 22-hour brew day, just a little bit less ideal. That's that's less fun. Yeah, for just sure. a smidge. <laughs> uh, yeah, the longest brew day I think we've had was 15 hours um, because our thermometer, our mash time thermometer broke, and we didn't realize until the end of a 90-minute rest. So we had to reheat that, and then some idiot me decided to dump. 50 pounds of rye into a barley wine. Um, so runoff took four and a half hours. And the tap room was open, and it was the Thursday before New Year's Eve weekend. So we got out of here at five, got right home, changed clothes, came back, and opened the tap room for the next day. That's painful. That's that I mean, do you just go straight for the Red Bull at that point, or coffee? Or I mean, how do you even how do you come back from that? Coffee That's, stout. Coffee back. stout. Bring you right back. Uh, <laughs> what I like to tell people on tours is that water, despite being an ingredient in beer, is actually the fourth most important liquid in the process. The others being in ascending order: sanitizer, cleaner, and coffee. <laughs> I need that. I love it. It's 
it's the one thing that I think people don't realize about breweries and brewing as a whole is just how important the cleaning and sanitizing aspect of it is. We're basically janitors. Yeah. Yeah, we just make a nice place for the yeast to sit and then we clean up after everyone leaves. Mm. Um, yeah. Kind of a matchmaker when it comes to the ingredients as well, though, right? A little bit. Yeah. A relationship building, you've got, you know, a habitat uh, building, you've got all sorts of great stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, but we're just trying to make sure the yeast is happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Servants. Now, um, you showed uh, off off camera, I guess, what are we, off, off recorder here? Um, you showed us a picture of some yeast, uh, and it was on a on hemocyte plate. Um, do you do your own lab work as well? Yeah, absolutely. We have... Uh, as we like to call it, the smallest lab in the world. It's about <laughs> six by four. Um, we have, you know, hemocytometer and uh, microscope and an autoclave and a stirplate. That's about it. Um, but at that point, what else do you need? That's that's solid. That's a better yeah. autoclave would be nice. Build a small nuclear reactor in the backyard with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, instead of having a hood, we've got a Bunsen burner, and we just work within a foot of it when we're doing things that need to be clean. Mm. Um, but yeah, we uh, we harvest our yeast and we pitch it. Um, and surprisingly, Key Lime White is actually the best beer we make for yeast growth. Um, we get the best harvest off of that, and just do cell counts and pitch off of a wet weight. Um, if you can tell us, how many generations does pitch last? Um, we've gone up to five, um, but because our yeast is a blend and because it's primarily a Belgian strain, we can't get a lot of generations out of it. We do. We usually do two or three before we go back to a lab pitch. We're hoping to get that number up once we get better temperature control underway, but since we're uh, farmhouse style uh, back there, which is a polite way to say we have bad equipment. Um, That's pretty nice looking equipment to me. That's a beautiful setup, I think. I, I love it. It's ours. I wouldn't have it any other way, but um, it's rudimentary in some ways. But if you would have it any other way, what would it be? What's your, what's your next planned upgrade? I see you've got some equipment back there not quite hooked up yet. Yeah, we've got some we've got some new fermenters back there from Quality Tanks, and they're great stuff. And then as soon as we get those online, we're going to start adding a couple of more stainless tanks in there. We're going to get some seven-barrel tanks so we can double batch once a week. Um, two of our flagships basically just we can't keep on tap, so we might as well just move twice in a row. Mm, yeah. More, more beer. More beer. Uh, the way it is right now, we're, we're open uh, three and a half days a week. And what are those hours here? And the address, please. Oh, yeah. 38 Norton Street. Where are we? <laughs> you might hear the plane. We're actually somewhere close to the airport. Um, but 38 Norman Street, Everett. And we're open Thursday from 3 to 11, Friday, Saturday, noon to 11, and Sunday, noon to 8. Um, and such as it is, we're making exactly enough beer to keep the tap room up and running. And we, if we expanded our hours, we'd start running out of beer left and right. So as soon as we get our new tanks on, we're going to try and expand our hours, uh, try and be open seven days a week, make more beer, which will hopefully allow us to... Expand even more and make even more beer. Well, I have to warn you, the strange brewing bump is going to be good for an extra couple barrels a week. You're going to need to have plenty of beer on tap next week when the show airs here. Well, we've got a new beer coming out next week, so. Really? Really? Can you, can well, you let the cat out of the bag? Let's save that till the next segment. Okay, we'll save that till the next segment. That's not easy because I'm chomping at the bit already. I mean, everything we've had today has been fantastic. Thank you. We've had it off this cool lab, this cool sample tray. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about your muffin tin. Uh, <laughs> we do flights in muffin tins. Um, yeah, I mean, glasses in muffin tins, not just poured oh, right in the tin with the straw. We've seen people do that. There's we discourage that sort of thing. <laughs> That's when you're shut off once you do that. Pretty much, yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it's four beers and a snack. 
Oh, we're beers and a snack. Yeah. So you include the snack with the flight. We're very serious about snacks, Rob. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we've had people order flights just so that they can get fruit by the fog with their beer. Now, there's something you don't see every day. Do you have a favorite snack, and is it fruit by the foot? Um, cheese, it's all the way. Yeah? It's, I mean, it goes a little bit better with kind of across the border here. Fruit by the foot, I feel like, is a more specific pairing. I, I could see that. Now, do, do you think Cheez-Its are just kind of like the Americanized pretzel? In Bavaria, the pretzel is king, so in America, is the Cheez-It the answer? I like that, so yes. <laughs> I, I didn't think that before you said it, but I do now. It is the American pretzel, the cheese. Um, what about the bugle? Is that a story? Did, do they still day? make bugles? I don't even know. Yes, they do. They do? All right, they so we heard it here. It doesn't mean they still make them. No, that's true. They've been in a warehouse. The rest stop stations on the mass pike. That's probably not the spot to be buying them, maybe. That's like, they came out of the warehouse at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's where they keep them. I just know because they're next to my favorite, favorite Pringles, which you can also only find at the All right, so, I mean, you really are snack oriented here there's there's a lot do you ever brew a beer thinking about the snack that you're going to be eating with it I feel like we must have but nothing springs to mind it's I mean I, I definitely have been in situations where I find myself saying boy this beer would be great with this I, I wonder if myself if I've ever really sat down and thought boy I'm really enjoying this snack I wonder if it would go great with a beer that does happen to us constantly when we take Samples from Chicago Avenue. We'll try it along the way. We'll come up with cheese or food pairings. Mm. Go. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So I was going to say we do uh, cheese and food pairings for all of our beers on our site. Yeah. So we do like a pretty detailed stats page. Um, and yeah, we like to suggest snacks to have with the beers. That's great. Skittlebrow. Skittlebrow. Absolutely. That doesn't work. It's like Mentos and Diet Coke if you put Skittles in a beer. Oh. Yeah. All right. So there it is, everybody. We're going to try putting some Skittles in a beer. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with the few for Bone Up Brewing right here on Something Strange is Brewing. Stay tuned. Now, Something Strange is Brewing continues on News and Talk Radio 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your hosts, Brian and Matt. Welcome back to Something Strange is Brewing. We're here at Bone Up Brewing. And um, what's the plans for the future? More of everything. All right. Well played. Uh, we're intending to increase our capacity by 100% by the end of the year, which means that we'll be upgrading to just regular small. Um, <laughs> so we're currently brewing twice a week, putting out uh, six barrels of beer a week. Uh, we're adding another set of fermenters, and then we're going to be adding some um, double-sized fermenters. So we'll be brewing four times a week, making about 12 barrels a week. We're trying to expand our hours. Um, we're eventually hoping to expand our tap room space a little bit and get a little bit more production space. <laughs> if, in theory, our neighbors in the building move out at some point, we told our landlord that we, want, we will move into that space if and when they do move out. So that would effectively double our uh, footprint when that happens. Um, which would, if nothing else, make it so that we're not just constantly piling things up to the ceiling and we can walk in our story area. The tavern gets a little bit crowded on weekends because we can only fit 45 people in there. So we'd like to be able to fit a couple of more. Our pinball guy really wants us to put in a pinball room if we get more floor space. And yes. I also want us to put in a pinball room if we get more floor space. Um, we've got ideas. Um, anything that's actually in motion is expanding our production capacity. Once we do that, we'll be able to put in a crowler steamer. We're calling them big stupid cans. They're 25 ounce cans. That's a good glass of beer. Yeah. yeah. 
We know that in the future you're going to be able to get those, uh, you call them the big stupid cans. That's right. Um, but what if somebody wants to get your beer now? I mean, the best place is always right at the source. Yep. Um, we do pop up growler sales at beer and liquor stores here and there. We're at GBC Belmont every month or two. The only place that you can reliably find us is actually just a couple of bars in the area. We're on tap at Mystic Station in Malden, uh, occasionally at Maverick Cafe in Eastie. Redbird and Waltham are on tap pretty consistently. And the Cottage Park Yacht Club in Winthrop. And that's about it for the moment. Our distribution is pretty small until we can actually get our new tanks on and get everything up and running and make more beer. So do you have enough capacity where we can say, tell your local bar you want bone up? Or is your local bar going to have to get in line and wait a little bit? For Put new accounts on, on hold until we can start making more beer. We don't we can't run out at home base, hmm. so it's not the kind of thing we want to risk. So yeah. run down here to burn up, folks, and get your beer as quick as you can. The near-term capacity increase will be 50%, so okay. one new set of tanks. So by the end of the year, we're hoping to double it, though. Now, has anybody at the Yacht Club named their vessel after Horatio? Not that I know of, and I feel like they would have told me that. I feel like that should be a, a life goal for somebody over at that Yacht Club, to, to name the vessel, you know, seaworthy vessel after Horatio. Yeah, that'd be amazing. That'd be pretty cool. We have inspired a tattoo. So, really? Yeah. Oh, tell us about that. That's pretty neat. On all of our shirts, we have made from ingredients, and it's got the four that. little beer logos. Made Thank from you. ingredients. We stand by that. Every time. <laughs> It'd be upsetting if we didn't. Wouldn't that be a disappointing beer? Made from other beer. Somebody got the, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was similar logos for the four ingredients tattooed on themselves, and they credited us with the inspiration. Is it fair to say if you come in with a bone-up tattoo, a real tattoo, your first pine is free? For legal reasons, I have to say no. No, Uh (laughs) it's not fair to say. So don't just run out to get some ink. We will be impressed if you do I, I will be an impressed. I'm Maybe only saying teases. no for legal reasons. Maybe only saying no for legal reasons, folks. <laughs> it's astounding. You, you look all around, and there's just so much creativity in here. Do you think you'll run out ever? I mean, it's just it, in every little thing, um, even down to the hippos. The secret hippos. The secret um, hippos. I mean, a lot of that has just been stuff that we've added as we've been going. Mm-hmm. You know, the art on the walls is just either stuff we took from our house or stuff that we've stumbled across over the years, mm-hmm. or as we year, I guess, that we've been open. Well, I hope we don't run out. Most of this uh, creativity is beer-fueled. We've got enough of that for now. It's a good situation to be at. Now, are, are you going to be at festivals throughout the year? Do you, do you know of any coming up that, that Bone Up will be uh, um, showcasing beers at? We are going to be at two over the course of the summer. We're going to be at Brew at the Zoo in August and the Mass Brewers Guild Fermentational, which is in mid-September. Mm. Um, that's all that I know of off the top of my head. That's great. What, when you go to a festival, do you, ha- do you bring all of the beers? Do you only bring certain beers? Uh... Uh, it varies from fest to fest. Um, mm-hmm. It's... For a lot of them, it's usually only two, mm-hmm. um, and for that we well, try to gauge what we think will, people will like the most at the fest. Um, when we were at the Microbrew Invitational, we had four, including a beer that we released spe- specifically at the fest. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of just play it by ear, um, but we only have two jockey boxes, so we're capped at four. Fair enough. Now, um, you have a, a connection to Nerax as well. We sure do. Um, yeah, being on tap at Nerax has actually been a goal of mine since I knew that Nerax existed. Um, we had shut up Kelly Porter on tap there. Um, and our cast program, or rather our in-house cast program, largely started because one of the sellermen there, Randy Merrill, loaned us his beer engine. And that was how we got things going here. That's great. That's great. And 
you, you mentioned uh, earlier, I, I don't remember if we were even on air at the time, um, you go through a lot of cask. You don't seem to have the issue of how are we going to kill the cask. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I don't think we were on air. Like, we thought it would be a niche thing that we would do for selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. We'd throw on a cask once a month just to see what it would be like. And they're usually gone within 24 hours. So we're, we've gone from once a month to twice a week. That's incredible. Um, I'm glad that people like it. Cask is cool. Cask is cool. Is there anything you wouldn't put on cask? Any one of these beers that just doesn't represent itself well on cask? Uh, key lime, but that's for spiteful reasons. Oh? One of our bartenders really wants us to put on key lime with hibiscus on cask. And I Do you make it with hibiscus? No. No, that's just another idea. <laughs> he just wants us to have a pink fruit beer on cask. And I feel like people that would drink a pink fruit beer and people that like cask might... Not be the same people? Yeah. <laughs> They're just non sequitur. It doesn't really... But at the same time, we uh, when Nerex was in town, we had um, we had a bunch of people in the tap room, and they're you know, you're kind of stereotypical cask enthusiasts, big bearded guys, um, could be easily confused for bikers. And one guy came up to the bar and he said, "All right, well, I gotta try a little bit of the key lime." And he drank a five ounce glass of it, and he was just like, he was mad because he liked it. And within <laughs> 20 minutes, the entire table was drinking pints of key lime. All right, well, that's another good problem to have, I would say. Yeah. So you could be drinking pints, you could be drinking, uh, you have tasting glasses here, you do little samples? Tasters, flights, pints, we do 32, 64 ounce growlers to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully within the next couple of weeks and months we'll have the big stupid cans that we talked about. Let me put you on on the spot on this one, Uh, Uh because it's the brand new Massachusetts growler law. Have you come across uh, anybody trying to get a plain growler fixed, and do you have a solution for that yet? Um, Has it not come up yet? It's come up a lot in conversation, but we haven't had anybody actually bring a blank growler in that I've seen. But if it's blank, we'll fill it. That's if it. it's blank and standard size. Yep. Fair enough. Okay, so I'll put you on the spot. Okay. If we were to go to your house right now, open the refrigerator, what's in your fridge? What is the brewer drink? Uh, dang, what do we have at the moment now? Uh, we usually have a couple of bottles of Orval sitting around. Um... Rodenbach Grand Cru for special occasions. Great beer. That's a fantastic Great beer. beer. Oh. Um, I think we got a couple of four-packs of one of the one-hop this time from Night Shift. <laughs> um, we try to pick up a couple of bottles from Mystic every time we go. Um, a lot of Notch. We like Session beer a lot. Um, dang. What else? I don't know we have, what else we have at the moment, but it, it rotates constantly. Mm. Uh, we like to see what else is out there, and... Um, every now and then people will get excited about something and bring us some, which we thoroughly encourage. Um, <laughs> One thing I don't see in here, and maybe it's in back, or maybe you're not as obsessed with some folks, is like a can collection or a growler collection uh, lining the ceiling and lining the walls. Is there a I don't know. There back? are some unique, uh, oh, unique bottles back there. there There's even a stein up top that looks like it may have been built on a dairy bucket of some sort. The that's a growler. That's actually full of candy. Is it really? Yeah. You <laughs> like their snacks? Uh... We have a big growler collection, so um, before this whole new growler law thing happened, we set up a program where if people bring in a growler from a different brewery, we'll give them, we'll take it and give them half off the cost of one of our growlers. Um, so if there's a brewery that people know they're not going to go to anymore, or if it doesn't exist, then they can at least kind of lessen the blow of having that sitting around. Yep. So we've got probably 80 growlers just sitting uh, around in boxes. Oh, we should not tell him what our deal that we do that. No, no, definitely. definitely That's a limit six for each, though. Yeah, we... We, we, we got to deal with a strange brew that uh, when this law came out, we decided to help people uh, get them to play in growlers. You bring in a growler, a brewery growler, clean, please, clean, 
uh, and we'll, we'll we'll exchange it for a, a blank one with cap on it. Just straight up, straight up, straight so up. Got yeah. a, and we got some for breweries that are no longer in business. Uh, stuff some like from that. when clear glass was still a thing. We got a lot for of growlers, stuff, people yeah, yeah, all sorts of great it's, stuff. It's a limited six per customer. You bring in six growlers or any brewery you want, uh, and we will replace them with the same size growler, plain yeah. growl that you can take to any brewery. That's a good deal. Uh, somehow I th- we've started to accumulate we've, quite the We've collection, accumulated actually. some growlers in the last few weeks. So um, we're just about out of time. So before we go, uh, just one more time, where are you at? How do people get in touch with you? Um, and, and what are your hours here? Uh, 38 Norman Street in Everett. Um, easiest way to find out about us is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, Bonut Brewing for all of them. Uh, we have a website that we keep updated with all of our events. Uh, we have a blog every week where we ramble about all the cool stuff we're Do you doing. Do have a current tap list? Uh, we put a current tap current, list excellent. Uh, up on Instagram and on our site every week. Um, what was the last question? Uh, just hours, yeah. Uh, Thursday through Sunday. Thursday is open at 3. Every other day we open at noon. All right. Good well, brewery. that sounds that great. A good chance to drink some uh, bone-up brewery beer. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having us today, for letting us come play around with you and, yeah. and see the back. And you know, Liz is busy at the moment, but thank you so much, Liz. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. All right. So hopefully everybody just heard Liz, and uh, we'll catch you all next week right here on Something Strange is Brewing. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.